Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by my Fankarty Darbo to my Brooke Norton Coffee. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Oh, poor Darbo, Justin. What a <laughs> crap few days he's had. Uh, yeah, yeah, no no doubt about that. I mean, he, he maybe knew about the release before the playoff final, but that being mm. said, yeah, why would he take a penalty if he did? But yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's obviously rough and it probably comes across rough, but I imagine it's always been the plan all along. Yeah, if, if you haven't seen it, not only did Darbo miss the penalty in the playoff final, he's also now been released by Coventry. It will be pointed out that he would have known about his release prior to the penalty, as Justin just said. But still, it's uh, it's not been a good few days for him. And it's such a shame because he's been such a good player for Coventry over quite a while now, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. I think the plan always was going to be to release him because I think at Championship standard, he's a bit hit and miss, really, isn't he? But I just feel so sorry for the guy. Yeah, it's, it's obviously rough. And I think, as you say, because he's been such a good servant for Coventry over the years, his last couple of seasons have been sort of ravaged by by injuries not being able to get a sort of consistent run of games or consistent run of fitness um, and that's really let him down but he's got the opportunity to go again and Coventry is showing they're not messing about they've got a lot of you know a lot of plans in place a lot of players are seemingly on their way out and they're seemingly trying to get them in as well so yeah not messing around for Mark Robbins. I was thinking maybe it'd be the right thing to do for Coventry <laughs> to just give him another year just to show like no hard feelings mate we know you missed <laughs> The biggest penalty of our club's history, um, but still, we we don't have we're not holding it against you. We, we still respect you massively as a player, but yeah, maybe it's the right thing to do. I don't know. Anyway, welcome to the number one championship podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. As you'll have seen from the title of the episode, these are championship report cards. Yes, we're going to go through each team in the championship and give them a grade based on the season that they've just had. But most importantly, we're also going to be talking about their targets for next season, what they should be looking to achieve for next season and what they should be maybe looking to do over the summer as well. So in this episode, it's part one. So we'll go through Birmingham to Millwall in this. If you're of a Coventry or Luton persuasion, I will point out we're probably not going to be talking about you too much in this episode, considering we did spend quite a while talking about you in Sunday's episode. So don't get too carried away. But of course, we're going to be talking about all the other championship sides, which you may very well be interested in. Um, So with that being said, Justin, shall we start off with Birmingham City, who are, of course, the team first alphabetically in the past championship season? What grade have you given them? I've given them a B. I did mull over it quite a bit, but I think just because they defied expectations as much as they did, and now I'm thinking about it a little bit more, they did They did so with such a threadbare squad. A rotation of Scott Hogan, Lukas Djokovic and Troy Deeney is your forward line, and still managing to avoid being dragged into a, a relegation battle, I think is, is really good work. And as I say, they, they defied expectation, they defied our expectation, we thought they'd finish in the bottom three. So I think a B is a fairly good assessment or a fairly fair assessment from my point of view as to, as to how this Birmingham City side have finished this season. Yeah, I've gone B minus. I'm thinking that at the start of the season, pretty much everyone predicted Birmingham to go down. First half of the season, they were near the playoffs, weren't they? Mm-hmm. I think they were around eighth or around that yeah. ballpark. Then they had a period where they just dropped like a stone and then <laughs> had a uh, like the final quarter of the season just kind of did all right didn't they? But for Birmingham to finish where they have done, I think, is definitely deserving of a B-. minus. Um, looking ahead to next season then, what are you thinking with Blues? It's quite difficult to say really, isn't it? 
it's almost impossible because in their current status without a new owner with the squad that they have I think looking at next season they should just be looking to maintain their championship status that might be not you know it might not be something that Birmingham fans want to hear but when you consider all of those factors there's still lots of if, ifs buts and maybes and with their current setup I think just surviving again will be a good achievement and a good expectation for next season but that could all change with the new owners uh, new investors that could all change with new players coming into the squad so as of now I think just ensuring that they're a championship team again come the end of next season I think would be a, a good place to be yeah, I'm not. I'm not expecting big things of Birmingham next season. I think the club needs a year at least of transition from the BSHL era to the new one with Tom Ragnar before you can expect anything major to happen. Considering this team last year, this time last year rather, a lot of people, including us, thought Birmingham would be in serious danger of going down in the coming season. It would be another good year if they have one where they're not really at a serious threat. The squad needs a lot of work doing to it. Most of Birmingham's best players last season were on loan. Austin Trusty, Hannibal Medry, Christian Bielik, Dion Sanderson. Sanderson and Bielik might go back, but I doubt the other two will. And then you've got Troy Deeney, Maxime Collan, Harley Dean, Kevin Long, all been released. Birmingham are very thin on the ground when it comes to depth and quality. So there's a lot of work to do. I'm not too worried Right now, I've got to say, John Eustace has proven to be a good manager and you'd expect them to be very active in the transfer window when the takeover's done. But right now, I'd be looking at them finishing in a similar position again next season, if I'm being completely honest. Let's go to Batburn, Justin. I've given them a B plus. What have you given them? I've, again, just given them a flat B. I've been quite impressed with them. I've been unimpressed with them. Um, but uh, you know, overall, I think when you consider other factors, Thomason's first year... Uh, as um, you know, in, in England as a manager, and then there's the fact that he's bled so many young players into the team, and he's done so with, uh, with fairly limited resources. I think he's done a very good job, and again for Blackburn to be a, chasing for the top six for as long as they have done, I think yeah, just a, you know a flat B it, again is, is a fair assessment of them. They still got a lot of work to do, and you know, next season is going to be interesting. But I think for this season, they have. Again, defied expectations similar to Birmingham. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I've obviously had my uh, stickling with Blackburn at plenty of points of this season. And at the end of the day, seventh place for Blackburn is a really, really good finish. Were they as good as seventh place as you know, their performance suggested? I've still got doubts about that, but it's undeniable that seventh place for Blackburn and nearly finishing in the playoffs is a really, really good season. Uh, Look, lots been made of the quality of the championship next season. That's been the constant theme on my social media for the past few days about how good the championship is looking next season. It certainly looks like it'll be a step up considering the teams who are coming into it from the Premier League and League One. So some teams will undoubtedly have to filter down. And I think Blackburn are one of those sides. It's not really been a secret, as I say, that I've had question marks over how good this Blackburn squad actually is. I would say it's more bottom half than top half, if I'm being honest. Although that might be down to the style of play under Yondal Thomason, who I can't say I'm entirely convinced about. On the face of it, seventh place last season is a very good finish. But just watching them, they weren't the most impressive and the game management certainly leaves a lot to be desired. He has been linked with a move to Holland this summer, has Thomason. 
I don't think that would be the worst thing if I was a Blackburn fan. But I'd be looking at mid-table for Blackburn right now. Losing Ben Raritan Diaz is an obvious blow too. But the bones are there of a pretty good side. The likes of Dom Hyam, Rankin, Costello, uh, Wharton in midfield. These are some really, really good players who can be really, really good next season as well. So yeah, mid-table would be a, a sensible aim for Blackburn next season, I think. I would completely agree with you. I think when you consider that Greg Broughton said that they've got to uh, sell players to bring players in, they've got to, you know, that they're batting around or that the budget's going to be similar, sorry, to last season, then it's going to be quite difficult for Thomason to make serious moves in, in the transfer window and replacing a player like Ben Broughton Diaz, if he's, you know, if, if you've quoted around 25, 20 million pounds for play, teams to sign him, it's going to be very difficult to replace a 20, 25 million pound striker, quote unquote. As I say, that's how Blackburn uh, valued him. It's going to be difficult to replace a player of his ability with that money, w- without that money, I should say, w- um, from a Blackburn perspective. So, yeah, it's going to be a bit of a transition, transitional season. Um, it's you know, almost a step back to take two steps forward for Blackburn next season. I would agree. I think a mid-table, a mid-table finish is probably a fair, uh, a fair expectation as to, as to where we see Blackburn going next season. As you quite rightly say, the bones are there, just needs... A little bit more adding to it may take one or two seasons. Yeah, definitely. Next up is Blackpool, Justin. I've given them an E. What have you given them? I've given them an F. Now, let me just go through my alphabet. A, B, C, D, E, F. Yeah, you've got it. <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah, I can understand you giving them an F. I, I haven't actually given anyone an F in both of the uh, report cards episodes that we're going to be doing. I think F would be... You'd have to be really, really shit for Black- for any team to get an F. And even though Blackpool have been poor pretty much all season, I struggled to give them an F. So I feel like an E was more deservable in my eyes, but it has been an undeniably really poor season. And looking ahead to next season then, what are you thinking with them? <laughs> I, given that next uh, League One next season is a quite a bit poorer, in the way, in the standard of teams, I should say it's going to be more competitive. Um, and the fact that Neil Critchley's come in, and with the squad that Blackpool currently have, and obviously players have now gone out, you'd expect players to come in. You know, for example, why would Neil Critchley go back if there wasn't going to be some sort of budget to work with, or you know, good budget uh, to work with? I'd expect Blackpool to be batting for promotion in the top six. I think that's the the, the, the very least that they should be aiming for getting to the top six and see where they go from there. I think they've got a lot of quality, as I say. There are a lot of if, ifs and buts with, with Blackpool at the moment. Is Neil Critchley going to work out again? Are they going to replace those outgoing players? Um, are they going to have a, a decent enough budget to compete for a top six place? They're all maybes, but I think they, they've, again, since Blackburn, they've got some really good bones in that team. So I think pushing for the top six is an absolute must for, for Blackpool next season. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, you've got to remember Blackpool Blackpool were just so poor all season. It could take them a while to bounce back. First and foremost, you've got 20 players going out the door this summer. That's either loans ending or being released. And I mean, that figure alone is quite alarming, isn't it? 20 players, but it's made worse by the fact that the loan players were probably their best performers last season. The other standout player was... Jerry Yates, but he's more than likely going to be leaving. So how good is the squad left over? Put it this way, I'm not sure many of them would interest championship sides. So <laughs> getting Neil Critchley back is a good start as part of 
a rebuild, in my view. He worked wonders with them the first time around, and there's no reason why he can't do so again. We were saying at the weekends that managers going back doesn't always work, and actually more often than not, it doesn't work, but it, it definitely could do. He will have to win back the trust of quite a few Blackpool fans after ditching them a year ago, which is a potential recipe for disaster. So he'll have to hit the ground running without a doubt. I struggle to see what other realistic managers would have been better options, though. So it definitely makes sense getting Critchley back. But they're going to have to sign quite a few players in the summer, considering how many have gone out the door this summer. Bristol City, Justin, what have you given them? I've given them a C plus. Uh, they're a difficult one to um, to really to really nail down, but I think because they've had a, a fair, you know, an okay season, that maybe brings them down a little bit. The fact that I think the fact that impre- impressed me with Bristol City is that they've brought through Tommy Conway, Sam Bell. They've both made impacts in the first team. Alex Scott's had a, a an out of this world season, and looking at their squad list. They've had quite a few injuries as well. Cal Naismith only played twenty five games. Rob Atkinson only played twenty five games. Been a lot. Been a lot of you know, cases of that this season. So you've got to factor in injuries being a problem. I know a lot of teams have had them, but I think that's held Bristol City back. So I think uh, yeah, a C plus for me. I think is quite fair. I know you might have some arguments against that. Maybe I've given them a D, and <laughs> I, I'm not sure if I'm being harsh with that. But I'm, is D kind of like the middle? Is that kind of like middle of the road or is C below average? I think D is like yeah, below average. I think C is probably more middle of the road. Maybe maybe you're right. But I, I've given them a D. And when you look at 50, 14th place in the table, I think they've probably finished around where a lot of people expected them to do. Unless you're just in peach. Um, looking ahead to next season then. I'm never going to let you live that down, <laughs> am I? Um, Bristol City are quite a tricky one to predict next season or maybe they're not maybe it's actually quite simple for Bristol City um, I mean the impending departure of Alex Scott is without a doubt a big blow but they should be duly rewarded with quite a large transfer fee how much of that money is going to be reinvested back into the squad is the big question I'm not sure if you're talking purely theoretically if they get 30 million for him spend 10 million on five or six players maybe get three or four loans in they could have quite a tasty squad next season. The issue is that's much easier said than done. And Bristol City's recruitment in recent years has not been amazing. There haven't been many success stories coming through the door in terms of signing. Um, having said that, I think young Tommy Conway up front could have a huge say on what they accomplish next season. He had a great first full season and will be looking to better his goal tally next season. Sam Bell's another youngster who's caught my eye on plenty of occasions. Cameron Pring has had a, his best season so far at left back. So there were some players there who you'd like to think will be even better next season. Then you've got the likes of Cal Naismith, for example, who are just solid, actually more than solid championship players, aren't they? So I mean, the big problem for me is I remain unconvinced about Nigel Pearson and whether he's the man to take them forward. But the club seem fairly content with him. Overall, I struggle to see Bristol City bettering this season because I imagine there'll be 13 teams who are stronger than them. But it's very early days and a lot depends on how much they take that Alex Scott money from this summer and you know reinvest it back into the squad. It's hard to disagree with, with most of that. Looking at it like that, I think it's a, a, a quite a fairly... Fairly fair assessment. Um, they'd have to have, for me, a really good season, a really, really good season if they're going to break into that top half. And I think that's where Bristol City should be aiming for. But that 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 comes with the caveat of needing to add, 
you know, a fair few players. You've got Narky Wells and Andy Vyman in, in that final third who are both on the wrong end of 30. Harry Cornick's, Harry Cornick's come in, but he's not prolific. Matty James, again, wrong end of 30. Andy King, wrong end of 30. Joe Williams, sketchy fitness record. There are lots of lots of um, things I'm not sure about with this Bristol City team. And, it's, and if it clicks, it can be very, very good. But if it doesn't click, I think they'll have a season like this one. Um, but as I say, they, they they need to have that ambition of finishing the top half. Otherwise, what's the point in, in Bristol City fans going to Ashton Gate every week? You know what I mean? It's, it needs to be, they need to show a little bit of ambition, a little bit of drive to break into that top half. Yeah. When we say ambition and drive, we don't mean getting carried away like they have done in the past. I mean, I was looking the other day at some of the money they spent in the kind of Lee Johnson era and they spent a bit beyond their means. I mean, every other championship club was at that time as well. But still, you'd like to think Bristol City are past that and will be a bit more sensible. And the Alex Scott money coming in will certainly help with that. Let's go to Burnley. I wonder what we've got here, Justin. A plus. Yeah, I've got A plus yeah. as well. I think it's pretty self-explanatory, isn't it? And we don't need to spend a whole lot of time talking about how good Burnley were last season. We spent most of the year talking about yeah. how good Burnley are. So looking ahead to next season, I think you were a lot more uh, level-headed about Burnley's expectations for next season in the Premier League. Have you been swayed at all on that in recent weeks? <laughs> Not really, no. I think... That, that, that mainly stems down from the Premier League bottom, bottom half being really unpredictable. It is quite an unpredictable league at times. When you consider the fact that Leeds and Leicester have both gone down this season, Everton have been fighting for their lives, Chelsea were fighting for their lives until four games ago, Bournemouth have finished comfortably outside of the relegation zone. It's a very difficult, difficult one to nail down. I think if Burnley get the recruitment right, then they could be a decent outfit. You look at Brentford putting the really good building blocks in place but they already had building blocks in place for two or three years before that similarly with Brighton I don't think Burnley have that they're sort of riding a crest of a wave at the moment so I think if as long as they finish 18th or above I think that'll be a good season well hang on, hang on just you, you say that I think so what are you saying Burnley's expectations for next season should be just purely to stay up just survive. I think any team coming from the Championship into the Premier League, remit should just be survival first, then let's see where we go from here. Get to 40 points. First team to 40, well, get to 40 points, whether that's by April or December. Get to 40 points, know you're surviving, and then build from there. Well, you say that. Surely, I, th- I think everyone would expect Burnley to finish above Sheffield United and Luton. I think we can all agree yeah. that will probably be the case. So that's two relegation spots at least taken up there. And then you look at Bournemouth. Will they have as good a season again next season? I'll be I'll be surprised personally. Uh, Everton are just a complete mess of a club. And there's always a couple of other sides in there who struggle. Uh, I mean, Wolves at the moment are a club I'm looking at right now. I'm not too sure about where they're going. So Burnley should be looking to finish quite clear of the relegation zone shouldn't they when you put it into that perspective yes but at the same time again it's just that unpredictability sometimes to those bottom half teams very hard to nail down Luton for example they've got some very good credentials that might thrive in the Premier League and they might finish 15th and 10 points ahead of the the, the bottom three it's all right saying things on paper right now Burnley oh they should finish above these but it's all it's all again if 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 puts maybe it's very hard to to make a fair assessment I think from from those, so I think just ensuring that they finish seventeenth 
at least 17th and then building from there, I think is a very good platform for them. Well, I think most Burnley fans will be happy just to stay up next season, but there's no reason why they can't be looking higher than that because they've won the championship at a canter, blitzing everyone that stood in their way. And they can quite easily take that momentum into the Premier League. If you ignore Norwich, in the last six Premier League seasons, the team who's won the championship has gone on to finish in the top half the following season, which is a pretty remarkable stat, but it goes to show that quite often the gap between the team finishing top of the championship and the Premier League isn't actually that big at all. And keep in mind with the stat I've just said, this team is the best we've seen in the championship in a long time, arguably ever. They've got a brilliant young manager who... I think everyone is at this stage pretty convinced will become an elite coach at some point. The recruitment's been excellent in the last year, so you'd expect it to be very good again this summer, especially with the Premier League money coming in. So they'll be very strong next season. I'm really quite excited to see who they bring in over the summer and watch them in the Premier League. I'll be interested to see how Burnley approach the Premier League, whether we'll keep seeing that free-flowing football that we saw in the Championship. But without a doubt, I think Burnley, the minimum expectation for me should be you know, staying clear of a relegation battle, let alone being in one and just staying up. I think, really, they should be casting their glaze a lot higher uh, than that. Um, let's go to Cardiff, Justin. What have you given them? I've given them a D-, minus, but now I'm thinking that's too generous. But at the same I've time, also they're... given them a D-, minus, Justin. I'm also wondering if that's too generous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now, now we've gone through other teams, and I'm thinking, D-, minus actually, as a Cardiff fan, I'd be going, get in. Yeah, we'll take that. Um, but when you look at it, they survived just their recruitment was so so. The board's been terrible, they've had three managers this season, they've had a really bad off season so far. D minus is very generous. This is very nice of us, which isn't like us, really. Actually, yeah, I think maybe what I was thinking when I gave this grade is. I never expected Cardiff to do well in the first place. I think yeah. in my pre-season predictions, I had them just to finish outside the relegation zone, which is exactly where they've just finished. So maybe I was thinking they've kind of just had a par kind of season, but I think I may have been the only person who had them to finish where they have done. So I, I don't really know. I do not know at all. <laughs> but looking ahead to next season, my oh my... Cardiff are in a lot of trouble, aren't they? If it wasn't for Reading's points deduction, of course, and two other teams being fairly hapless, they would have gone down. And now you're looking towards next season, going back to what we were saying before, Justin, about how the Championship looks a lot more competitive next season. I'm not seeing anyone else in as worrying a state as Cardiff City. I mean, the squad's not great as it is. I think... They probably would have gone down if they hadn't signed Sorry Cabot on deadline day in January, even with Reading's points deduction. He's probably not coming back next season. The remaining squad needs a lot of strengthening. They haven't got a manager at the time of recording, and we seem to be no clearer to finding out who that manager is going to be. And it seemed quite apparent now that they didn't have anyone else in mind if Sabri Mushi wasn't in charge next season. So the club is also, in general, on this massive decline that doesn't show any signs of stopping purely because of how poorly it's being run by the people at the top. So for me, right now, they're undoubtedly the team most likely to go down next season. The, the aim is simply going to be staying up, but I'm not seeing three other teams with problems anywhere near as bad as them. The three teams who have come up are all looking fairly strong and the three teams who have gone down 
probably won't do very well in League One next season. So weren't very, they were fairly hapless in the Championship, weren't they? So it's not looking good. No, it isn't. I had plenty more optimism for them probably this time last season. I thought the signings they were making were were okay. They were okay for maybe their budget. They were okay for trying to build a squad that was going somewhere. But that that script, that direction was completely torn to shreds. When um, Cardiff decided to sack Steve Morris and that vision had just disappeared, they also didn't back him enough, I don't think, in trying to sign recognised forwards and recognised creative players. They didn't, not, they didn't do enough to do that. And that always comes back round to the board. So I think as long as this board's in place, Cardiff going to trend downwards and they finish 21st this season. The only tr- downwards trend they can manage now is in the bottom three. It's going to be very difficult for them next season, I think. And as you say, as you pointed out, more competitive division next season. They're going to be teams like Rotherham, who are going to be a step ahead. I don't think QPR will have a better season as they had this season. Very, sh- maybe, um, very strong, <laughs> very strong three teams coming from League One. Very hard to pick three worst teams in Cardiff at the moment. Yeah, really is. And I think at this point, I mean, we're 12 months away from the end of next season, but I think we can already begin to pencil in Cardiff just because I struggle to see who else is... I struggle to see three other teams being worse than them uh, come this time next year. Just then, let's take a quick break. After that, we'll talk about the remaining teams in the part one section of our report card. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. This is our report card where we're grading each championship team's season. This is part one, so we're going through Birmingham to Millwall. Uh, I'm also giving kind of a early prediction about where they should be looking to finish for next season as well. And we're now on to Coventry City. What grade have you given them, Justin? I've given them an A+. They've been incredible. It's been an incredible yep. season. Defied expectations. Blown them all away. Dealt with so much crap throughout the campaign. With a low budget, limited squad, they've been brilliant. I've given them an A. I only have given Burnley an A plus in the whole report card. I think A plus, you've got to do something remarkable, and Burnley wow. have done something remarkable. You could make an argument that Coventry have been fairly remarkable. I'm not going to hold A plus against you at all, Justin. Um, we'll give Coventry a miss in terms of what we predict for them next season because we spoke about it in Sunday's episode if you want to hear our thoughts on that listen to that what we didn't do in Sunday's episode was actually have like a reflection on how remarkable a season it has been for Coventry City so I mean you've been on the Mark Robbins uh, soapbox all season haven't you Justin just give us an idea of how remarkable a season it's been well they didn't have a pitch at the start of the season rugby ruined the pitch at the Commonwealth Games at the uh, CBS Arena so they didn't, you know, I think Mark Robbins described it as getting your game legs, which is very early on in the season. And they didn't get going until sort of late September. Mark Robbins said in his post-match interview after Middlesbrough, he actually feared the sack because the results were so poor. And that alluded to, you know, it lends into why I was considering that why they might be in a relegation battle at some point in the season. But they managed to turn things around very, very quickly. So not having a pitch to play on, games being postponed. And then you get to October administration of the the holding company that owns Coventry City Stadium they obviously went into administration so there was uncertainty about whether where Coventry were going to play they could have been playing the 
Warsaw Stadium at the Bescott. Uh, There's just so much, so much of this, and then a transfer transfer embargo in December. Um, then there's the takeover of Duke King. There's just been so much of this swirling around, but Mark Robbins has delivered consistent results all the way through it, all the way through it. And in the second half of the season, when there was nothing to talk about off the pitch, they thrived, they thrived, they thrived, and they were incredible all the way through. And that's exactly why they've been remarkable this season. That's exactly why their playoff, the run to the playoff final has been absolutely unreal um, and you know sort of unheard of at championship level for a team to back that many issues away so easily to then finish in and around the what in the top six and then be a kick away or a couple of kicks away from promotion it's brilliant yeah definitely and it'll be very interesting to see how they do next season with fingers crossed none of the off-field stuff going on and let's go to Huddersfield Town Justin I've given them an E just quickly what have you given them I've given them a D minus so sort Mm. of in and around the same yeah I think you could very easily make an argument that Huddersfield have probably been the biggest over underachievers rather of the uh, of the season. But having said that, it was the betting tips to Mark O'Hare who put out a table this week where it gave the bookies odds compared to where they've actually finished, and the bookies had Huddersfield to finish pretty much exactly where they have done. So, with that being said, have they actually underachieved? But it, this is a team we're talking about who have gone from the playoff final to nearly getting relegated yeah. this season. And at times this season, I've been absolutely bloody terrible. So it's a bit difficult to kind of give Huddersfield a grade. And I, I could definitely see the grade eight ranging from F to C, really. Mm-hmm. But E, D is completely fine, I think. Look into next season, it's um, they're another one who are a bit difficult to predict. If Huddersfield were heading into next season without a new owner, I'd be worried. But now there's a cause for a bit of optimism, isn't there? We shouldn't set expectations too high by any means. Last season was bad and the squad as a whole is, for me, one of the worst in the league. It needs a lot of work this summer. It'll be interesting to see what happens to the likes of Lee Bromby, the head of football operations there. He had a few fingers pointed at him for the disaster, which was last season. Ultimately, they need a new manager, and I'm guessing that can't happen until the takeover is done. It's not ideal because preferably you'd have a new manager in place so you can start building towards next season and bringing in the players he wants. Whatever the case, I think Huddersfield should be happy if they avoid a relegation battle. Can't really say much more than that until we know who the manager is and what players they bring in. Maybe Michael Duff at Barnsley. He has been linked previously and I imagine he'll be interested after they missed out on promotion in the playoff final. And I think that'd be quite a good appointment as well. But yeah, Huddersfield avoiding a relegation battle would be their target at this stage, I'd say. Yeah, again, making sure they're in a round where they are now, is, I think is a fair, yeah, fair expectation. If you take away that third place finish from the Corbran and the playoff final, they've been there or thereabouts in terms of an 18th, 17th, 16th place team over the last five or six years. So, well, other than the Premier League, obviously. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I think that's sort of where they'd average out other than those remarkable seasons under, under David Wagner and, and, and Carlos Corbran. I am, I am a little bit more sceptical over Huddersfield. I do think that they need a lot more surgery done to their squad. I, I don't think their squad was good enough to stay up. Ultimately, it did, but I think that's the godlike intervention intervention of Neil Warnock that got that squad out of danger as opposed to that squad being good enough. 
And make no mistake about it, I think they would have gone down if it wasn't for Neil Warnock. So there are a lot of issues that need that need sorting. I don't think Lee Bromby is the man to sort them. He's shown that over the last 12 months, his decision-making on a footballing level has been really, really poor. So I think if the new owners come in, I think the first thing I would do is, is maybe take him out. But then, that being said, you need someone to transition from the old ownership into the new, so maybe he's the right person. But the next appointment of the managers is, is absolutely vital, and I think if they can get it right, they can avoid a relegation battle. They've got some good bones in that squad. We know that they have Neil Warnock tapped into it, but they need a lot more than that. They need a lot more meat to it. And I think they, they, they've got the potential to, to, to push on, but it really does depend on the ownership. Yeah, it really, really does. But hope from what I've seen, it looks like that takeover will be done soon and then they can start building towards next season as soon as that's done. Hall City, pretty much as middle as the road as it gets, isn't it? I've given them a C. I've given them a C as well. Easy. Yeah. It's quite a, it's kind of a first half seat, first half of the mm. season, second half of the season situation with them, isn't it? Because they were pretty woeful under shot at Avaladzi and looked like they would be in serious danger of going down. But then Liam Rosinia came in and that was never in any danger really in the second half of the season. And I think for me, Hull could be a side to keep an eye on next season. The main reason for that is the contrast which we saw in them after Liam Rosinia was appointed. They were 21st when he came in. If the season started from the from the stage that he was appointed, they would have finished 10th. And the massive improvement defensively has been a key contributor to that. They went from having the worst defensive record in the league by far to having the fourth best since he came in, which is some turnaround. So that's one aspect of it, having Rosinia there and the progress that he's clearly making at Hull. The other is the owners, who are very ambitious, as we know. We saw last summer them bringing in the likes of Jean-Michel Siri, Oscar Stupinan, Ozan Tufan, all these players from abroad. I'm not sure they'll be signing as many players this summer, but I won't rule it out. And there'll probably be plenty of players coming in who me and you have never heard of, Justin. Um, but are probably very good as well. So they'll definitely need a few players if they are going to challenge higher up the table next season. But there are good early signs in the project that's happening at Hull, isn't there? Well, I think under Rossini, there were issues that needed sorting even under Rossini, sort of late in the window, sorry, late in the season, I think that the fact that they've struggled to create and score at times needs needs addressing, but that can be done in a transfer window. And, you know, if, if, if I was to critique Rossini this season, it would be that. It's not a it's not the end of the world. The turnaround, as you pointed out, defensively has been brilliant. Um, but they've got a lot of building blocks. And I think putting them higher than maybe a top half push, I think might be maybe a little bit step too far for them going into next season but it obviously it depends on how they recruit over the summer but I think as you pointed out there the results of you know, Hull's results of when Rossini came into the end of the season Hull being 10th I think a 10th place finish would be a very good season next season for Hull and a major sign of progression under under Rossini and, and, and a good move in the right direction for them as well I think certainly a lot of um, yeah a lot, a lot of good things coming out of Hull under Rossini I just hope that the expectations or ambitions of the owners don't get too far and you know he's not in a job by uh, by December if, if things aren't going too well. Yeah well it is worth pointing out at one point there were reports that he could lose his job that was after they only won three of their final 16 games 
of the season. Having said that, they only lost four in that time. There were just a lot of draws around there. But I think that says a lot about the ambition of the owners. They have high expectations. I hope they don't get carried away, as you say, Justin, because I think Liam Rosinia is proving to be the right man for the job. At Luton Town, Justin, won't spend long on this. I've given them an A. Give them an A as well. Very easy one, that one is as well. Perfect. Yeah, probably could give them an A+, but as I say, I, I'm looking for something remarkable to deserve my A+. But we spoke about Luton at length and more in Sunday's episode, didn't we? So we won't go into too much depth on them. You've essentially got a whole podcast dedicated to it if you do want to hear more on Sunday. Um, Middlesbrough, Justin, I've given them a B. I've given them a B-. minus. Yeah, mm. when, I, when I said B, I was like, is that a bit strong? But I think actually... You know, them finishing fourth and nearly going up top two. At one point, it did look like they would go up in the top two. Maybe B's probably quite accurate, actually. You could argue either side, I suppose. Yeah, I think, you know, pre, pre-Michael pre Carrick, you're probably looking around a D. F. <laughs> <laughs> they, 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 they were poor. Results were poor. Performances weren't too bad. They were, they were poor, though. Um, and then sort of Michael Carrick between, I don't know, November to April, A, and then sort of last stage of the season, it dropped off quite considerably, didn't it? Which is why they ultimately, probably why they, they fell out of the players. But I think, yeah, B minus from my perspective. Yeah, for the, for those for those very reasons, that drop off towards the end of the season just let them down. Obviously, losing the playoffs isn't isn't a very nice thing. Uh, and didn't, they didn't get the chance to compete in the playoff final, which again, I think, considering their squad compared to Coventry's, they probably should have. But obviously, things aren't as good and dry as that. So, yeah, B minus for me, I think, is 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 the is the assessment. I think Carrick's got a lot of work to do, but I think there's yeah a very good, very good soundboard there for him to work on. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I think you look at their pre-season predictions, fourth place would have been just above par, a birdie in golfing terms. So I suppose a B is reflective of that. Looking towards next season, I, I am quite excited about Middlesbrough. I'd be looking at them and be expecting them to be one of the main challengers for the top two next season. Of course, you've got the three teams coming down who we don't know what state they're going to be in. But if they manage to hold on to the uh, a selection of players, then they should be very strong. But Middlesbrough will, without a doubt, be one of the teams looking to challenge those guys. They were excellent for 50% of last season, probably on a level not far off Burnley. The question is, looking towards next season, who's staying and going? Chibrakpom has been linked with a move away. I would say it's looking about 50-50 whether he leaves or not. I can't see Cameron Archer coming back, but I might be wrong. Ryan Giles, Zach Seffen, Aaron Ramsey, all very important players, but who knows if they'll be returning. I think they'll be very busy in the summer anyway. Middlesbrough haven't been shy in the last few transfer windows. They've signed 30 players over the previous four windows and spent around 20 million in that time. If they get some money for Tuber Akpom, then expect them to be spending quite a bit of money this summer as well. So they'll give Michael Carrick plenty of backing without a doubt. And he is the key thing for me. He's proving to be a really, really good manager. And I'd be excited about Brewer again next season, as long as he's still in charge anyway. I think if Borough have a better window than they had last season, I think last summer's transfer window, it took too long to get players in, which is ultimately why Chris Wilder threw his toys out of the pram. And I think ultimately why there was a bit of a slow start for them under under him. That being said, I, I was this excited about Middlesbrough this time last year about finishing in the top two and uh, yeah, they, they didn't quite manage it. And obviously down to those results under Chris Wilder. But 
again, I think it's going to be a lot, com- lot more competitive next season. I wouldn't be surprised if they finish with 10 more points than they finish with this season and they still finish fourth. I think it'll be that that sort of season, unfortunately. But I think promotion's certainly got to be the aim. They've they've got, again, as I say, a really good soundboard for, soundboard for character to work on. Really good structure in the squad. Attractive style of play. They just need a little bit of you know, tasty seasoning to make sure that pasta bake is absolutely perfect. That's what I mean. Mm. You get me hungry now. Um, it's worth saying, even though Middlesbrough probably will be busy in the transfer window this summer, their recruitment has been very hit and miss over the past few years. I mean, just looking at the past season, for every, you know, uh, Cameron Archer and uh, Zach Stefan and Ryan Giles, there has also been the likes of Rodrigo Muniz, Matthew Hoppy. I imagine there's quite a few people who are saying, who the hell is Matthew Hoppy? Well, they spent... A few million on him and he's just not been seen while well, he's actually been on loan at Hibernian for some reason. But that, that seemed like a strange move. And then Matt Clark as well. I completely forgot Matt Clark oh, was at Middlesbrough. Yeah. yeah, they spent a few million on him and he's, he's just not been seen either. So even though Middlesbrough will be busy, that doesn't necessarily guarantee success. So one to keep in mind. Final team uh, from this part one of a, a report card Justin is Millwall I've given them a B minus what about you I've given them a C plus which was sort of on the same lines but ultimately I think finishing mm-hmm. eighth having been in the playoffs for so long of the season I think for me is why I might be being a little bit harsh on them yeah I maybe being too generous though because if you said eighth at the start of the season I mean Middlesbrough have been finishing eighth quite a lot at Middlesbrough, Millwall rather, have been finishing eighth quite a lot recently. So is B too generous? I don't really know, but at the same time, you consider that they were in the playoffs for large chunks of the season. That is very good for Millwall. So I don't really know, but do you want to hear a very interesting stat, Justin? You know I love stats. Come on. This was Millwall's sixth successive season in the Championship. In that time, they've only had one season where they've not finished between 8th and 11th. They have kind of nailed down their status now as a top-half Championship side. And I struggle to make an argument for them not doing the same again next season. Because, mm-hmm. well, first of all, you've got to remember the context here. Millwall don't have a massive budget and prior to this spell in the championship they only had one season since 2005 where they finished in the top half of the second tier so it is admirable that they've established themselves now as a regular top half championship side the mission now is to build upon that but it's going to be really difficult to do that considering how competitive the division is looking next season One good thing is they're not losing a whole host of players who are key to their success last season. At the moment, I'd probably say Millwall will probably have the most similar squad this season compared to next season. The only one really going who made a massive difference to them last season was Charlie Cresswell. So they'll need a new centre-half. A striker would still be on the shopping list for me, despite Tom Bradshaw getting 17 goals. I'm not sure he'll replicate that again next season. A couple of attackers should be on there and a goalkeeper as well. Um, if I was in charge, they would definitely be on my shopping list. So they don't need a whole lot to Millwall. It's just their recruitment has been a bit mixed for quite a while now. Also, Gary Rowett needs to be... Well, Gary Rowett seems to be a specialist in doing a good job. Not bad, not amazing, just good. It would have been a great job last season if he got them into the top six. But unfortunately, the, the end of season bottle job sees that downgraded. <laughs> They need a bit more from him as well. So 
it's just about getting to the next level for Millwall, isn't it? But whether they can do that or not, I've got my doubts. I I, I agree with you. I've I've banged the Millwall drum for so long, haven't I? And last season, I felt was the season for them to to really make it go. And they and they dropped off. It's a case of how long are they going to be the championship bridesmaid for before they run out of friends getting married? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think I think they're sort of they're running out of time because they're going to. You know, Jake Cooper's getting older. I'm surprised more clubs haven't been linked with him. Sean Hutchinson's on the wrong side of thirty. Piakowski's on the wrong side of thirty. George Long isn't exactly convincing. There are some good young players there like Benny Mitchell, Danny McNamara, but. There's probably not enough of them coming through, and then you've got the likes of Zian Fleming, who's probably going to attract suitors over the next year. Tom Bradshaw scores goals, but doesn't do it consistently enough, which is strange because, as you pointed out, he scored 17 last season. It's just how how often can we keep backing Millwall to to be a top half team and flirting with the playoffs before they actually do it? I think last season for me was the the final season for it. Yeah, we've seen teams in the past. I mean, a good example, I suppose, is Bristol City. You can hang around that kind of area for quite some time, but if you don't take your chance and actually make that next step, soon you'll just drop down the table again, won't you? So Millwall, I don't know how long they've got in terms of taking that chance, but it feels like it's got to happen sooner rather than later. I'm not saying next season is the be be all and end all, but... How much longer have they got before they can uh, actually, you know, establish themselves as a top six side? Um, right, that's been our report card. Let's finish with a game of this. All right, all right. Settle down, you lot. It's time for the Craig Bryson pub quiz. What do you know? A Craig Bryson pub quiz, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't done this in a while, so I thought may as well do a couple over the summer just to mix things up. It's very simple, really. I'm going to give Justin six clues on a player who's made at least 200 championship appearances. All he's got to do is guess who that player is. We're not playing for anything here. It's just for Justin to try and repair his diminishing reputation as a championship expert. Justin, you're looking forward to this. Uh, I am actually. I love a Craig Bryce, and I think this is a game that inspired a generation. So it's always good to get back to it. Yeah, I think it did inspire a generation. I suppose. Um, would you like the first clue? Yeah, go on. I've made two hundred and fifty-six championship appearances, scoring two goals. Lloyd, Lloyd Doyley. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Lloyd Doyley. Always good to hear him mentioned, though. Um, next clue is this. I've played for three clubs at championship level, including Fulham and Middlesbrough. Fulham and Middlesbrough. Mm, I was going to say Daniel Ayala. But he didn't play for Fulham. So that was a bad shout. And he's also scored quite a few goals and made quite a few appearances. So that was a terrible mm. shout. Yeah, but... Always good to hear him mentioned. Um, your third clue is this. I began my career at Sigma Olomouc. What country is that in? You don't know where that is. That sounds like a you problem, mate. Sigma Olomouc. Olomouc. <laughs> ah, yes. I am an avid expert in Olomouc. Wow, that is the worst clue I think you could have possibly given there. Oh, wow. I've got to go back to that full in Middlesbrough and the fact that he's a defender, probably a probably a fullback. Uh, next clue. This fourth clue. I began my career in England at Chelsea, making four appearances for them. 
doesn't make it easier to be honest with you but he played for Fulham he played for Fulham and Middlesbrough and Chelsea yeah I don't really care about that Chelsea I mean, the Chelsea one is quite a big clue, actually. Yeah, it is, because... I mean, is it, though, because of the lone army? Um, oh, Next Christ. Clue. Yeah, go on, then. I'm still playing in the Championship now, although I only played 314 minutes last season. So out of practice with this game is unreal. Um, so out of practice with every game, assuming. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a bad, been a bad three months. Chelsea, Fulham, Middlesbrough. He's a defender. Two hundred and fifty odd appearances. Sigma Olomouc. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I can't even. Really don't it. Yeah, I can't even think of any 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 players at the moment he's still in the championship now which is incredible but I don't know this is a big clue your final one you ready for it yeah I have 28 caps for the Czech Republic Thomas Kalas yes I thought as soon as I'd give that that would be it yeah you're absolutely right Thomas Kalas what a player completely forgot he was still at Bristol City Absolutely. Uh, I, th- I think they've offered in a, a new deal, but on reduced terms, I think he's mulling over it. But they, they were some really good clues. Probably Sigma Olomouc, although that's a Czech Sigma team, Olomouc. obviously. But they, was, yeah, was they, were, they, were, they were perfect clues for the Craig Bryson pub quiz. Yeah, because build it I, up. Middlesbrough and Fulham were such red herrings. <laughs> such red herrings. I was surprised he played 256 games in the Championship, because that seems a lot more than I would have expected. But also... He's won promotion with both Fulham and Middlesbrough, yeah. but there's only two Premier League appearances. Poor Thomas. He also played in that Liverpool game um, for Chelsea that Stephen Gerrard slipped in. So he's a, a main cause of uh, that title blip, I think, as well. There you go. And also cost a lot of money. I remember Chelsea spent quite a bit of money signing him. And then Bristol City spent £8 million on him. £8 million, and he's yeah. not really paid that back, has he? But... I mean, at one point, he was a really, really good player, hasn't he? But there you go. That's been the Craig Bryson Pub Quiz. And this has been the Second Tier Podcast. We've been given the first half of our... Uh, what have we been calling this? The the grades and expectations. Grade, 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 graded grade, expectations. Grade card. Grade card? Grade report. Grade report. Report card. Report, report card. card. That's it. Yeah, this has been our report card of the first half of the teams in the Championship, reviewing their season, giving them a grade. And part two will be coming on Sunday where we'll be giving a few more kind of mini predictions early predictions of what we think they'll be doing next season as well so we look forward to seeing you again on Sunday for that this has been the Second Tier Podcast I've been Ryan Dilks I've been Justin Peach and a big thank you for listening (laughs) 